Welcome to episode 42 of the Through the Point podcast. This week I was fortunate enough to sit down with America's number one male thrower in Michael Shuey. I sat down with him months ago in one of the first 10 episodes. We couldn't even remember which number it was, but it was great to catch up with him, hear what he's been up to and what he's focused on this offseason, as well as what he struggled with and what advice he has for athletes as the season approaches in the next month or two for many high school and college athletes, which who better to learn from than America's number one thrower, or number one male thrower in Michael Shuey. Uh, he also talked about his development of his talents of the ukulele and skateboarding in the offseason, which I thought was really funny. But overall, this was just great, and don't expect this to be my last collaboration with him. We were brainstorming some ideas off-air about what we could do next, so keep an eye out for that going forward. As always, thanks for listening, and enjoy. I am back with someone we couldn't even remember. We've been through so many episodes, couldn't remember what number it was. U.S. number one, Michael Shuey, a good friend of mine, I would say now. We've been in communication. I appreciate the friendship, Mike. Uh, thank I you for coming back on. That. Yeah, being willing to do it. Hopefully I didn't run you away the first time, but really good to have you back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Uh, so much has changed. I've become a really big fan of this podcast. You've had a lot of like my inspirations on so far and uh i'm excited to see where you take this after this yeah i and it's been crazy and like i actually got the idea to do a recurring guest with charlotte who i interviewed last week we were i don't know if it was on air or off air but she mentioned something about yeah i like the stories but you could also get people back on and like check in on them and i was like you know what who better to check in than with mike shuey right now and see how he's doing uh, I have such a big smile on. I wish I wish the uh, listeners could see. It's a beautiful smile with his ring light that he got for Christmas. He was like in the dark and all of a sudden he flips it on. I was like, wow, you're looking good, man. But yeah, uh, shout out, brother. <laughs> that's an awesome gift. Something that everybody probably needs right now. I could use one too, I guess. I but <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully it's hopefully you can trash it in a little bit. But yeah. before we're just gonna catch up, I guess, with like everything that's been going on since we last touched. But I mean, do you want to just start with like maybe a general overview about uh how everything's been going since then yeah just getting back in the swing of um you know how they say i guess like uh living in the, the training center again in covid uh the last time we talked it was like right before the lockdown happened mm -hmm. uh so i got to go home for five months uh did some training at home and uh it was the longest i've been home since um like I was in high school, so that was really nice. Uh, and then in September, I came back out to the training center in uh, California, and we got back into the routine of things. And um, yeah, and we've been we've been doing that since uh, September. So have you had some level of restrictions and different things going on while you're there? Because I know for a while, Kara, and obviously she's not at the same place as you, but in Colorado, she was like allowed to go in then not allowed to go in and then now she's able to go back in like what has that been like for you yeah because the the training center here is owned by the city it's not really mm. um it wasn't really mandated to close okay uh, same way that colorado springs and uh, lake placid were so we were kind of well we were lucky in that sense that nothing really changed the way that we had to operate except for our, our weight room got moved outside, which was kind of nice. And, uh, and we weren't allowed to eat together, but 
you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time together training and right. in, uh, living in the center anyway. So it wasn't really that big of a change. Well, location wise, you're fortunate that you're in like one of the only places in the United States where you could train outside uh, or lived yeah, outside and you wouldn't have issues. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been out there plenty of times and like I just love it and it's amazing obviously it's the summer but it's amazing that like literally every day is almost exactly the same yeah it, does, it doesn't change much from the summer to uh to January to December it's all the it's pretty much 70 degrees all the time being yeah. someone who's from a state with all four uh seasons like is that something have you liked that or has that been something like you missed the winter at all uh, I do miss the winter at times like especially around Christmas season like it's kind of hard to listen to Michael Blue buble uh <laughs> mix when it's like 75 and you're and you're sweating outside with your shirt off and like you know it's kind of hard to get a uh, jolly during that time of the year but uh for the the mission that we're trying to accomplish it's like kind of a necessary evil right if you can sacrifice your michael buble mood for a little yeah, bit of good exactly. training it's, it's probably worth it <laughs> yeah has it been, has there been like COVID outbreaks there? Or has it been maintained pretty well uh, with everybody around? Um, the way that they've been like maintaining, like when, so we, we have to, um, we have to do a survey every morning and every night to, you know, manage our symptoms. And like, if someone feels a little under the weather, they like immediately know and they, they get them and test them. So like there has been some cases but the way that the training center has managed them is like uh, they have like who they've been in close contact with and then they they quarantine people based off of that. So um, I think they've been doing really well, but uh, we have had some cases, but not really on the, the track and field side of it. It was mostly like hmm. some of the sports that come in from offsite living. OK, uh, I've had it, but yeah. So our practices, have they always been, or are they mostly like just you and Ari together, or is there other people involved with you as well? Yeah, it's just uh, Ari and I and then uh, our coach. Um, well, like the hammer guys go in the morning, coach goes with them, then uh, we're next, so then we have that, that practice slot, and then he goes to discus. So like we all kind of, we overlap some here and there, but then mm -hmm. we, we all have the weight room together. So, okay. Yeah that's pretty nice then and i think that's been the nice thing about track and field is like looking at it logistically like you can make it work with the smaller groups because they're probably smaller groups anyways compared to yeah. being like a football team that needs 180 players like you pretty much need everybody to get what you want to get in so yeah um, it's really funny the, the rugby teams here have like a wristband that when you get within six feet of someone it starts beeping really loud <laughs> And it also calculates, like, it, it registers who you were within six feet with. So that's how they're, like, managing, like, who's in close proximity with each other. It's, thank God we don't have that. Yeah, that sounds like some type of, like, dystopian <laughs> dystopian novel that it's just, like, that's the world we live in. Like, that's just yeah, isn't that insane. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed that. And I also didn't even know there was rugby teams there to begin with. So, yeah, 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 what a, what a fortunate group we are i guess to be able to deal deal with it the way we do compared to that yeah but when we screw up it's not the team's fault it's ours that's true they <laughs> can't blame it on anybody else but you can also take all the credit so or most yeah. of it i guess <laughs> i guess right now before we get into like your outlook for the season what is like now a daily routine or like a day in the life like what, what have you done today before you got on uh, the podcast with me like what have you been doing day in day out 
So you want you want to know what I did today? Yeah, just whatever you Seems did. A little personal. All right, uh, I woke <laughs> up um, at like nine thirty, which is kind of late. I understand that. So I woke up, <laughs> wake up, uh, make a breakfast smoothie, make my coffee. Uh, sit and watch an episode of like Meat Eaters or something or watch some jab videos on YouTube. Um, and then I I do that, wait till noon. Uh, most of the time I go down early around like 11.30, do like stretching, some rehab stuff before practice. And then today at noon, we had uh, like um, a recovery circuit, which was just like uh, two two sets of uh, 10 exercises of just body weight movement. And then we have two sets of um, med ball throws. And then, uh, and then we do some light gymnastics, which were just like uh, skin the cats, uh, three by three, then uh, some L, L raises on like the high bar. Okay. And then, uh, and then some like handstand work. And then, um, so that's just all recovery based to, to make the rest of the week kind of feel more, not as like worn down by yeah. the time Thursday and Friday. Right. But, yeah. That's what I did today. Okay. And that, that routine pretty much is every day I have practice at noon. So every day I wake up same time, uh, make the, the French press of coffee, uh, make a breakfast smoothie, and uh, go do some rehab before practice. What, uh, yeah. like, how good are you at skin the cats? Because that's something that I can do decent, like, I can come through, but it's hard for me to go back all the way around. Like, are you a master of that by now, just as much as you've done it, or like, how good are you at skin the cats? Hmm. I don't know. I, I would say that I'm all right. Uh, I would like to be able to do more skin the cats. Like my goal is to be able to do 10 repeatedly um, because I feel like during this, so during this block of like heavy lifting and uh, somewhat intense throwing, I feel like my core has broken down somewhat. So mm -hmm. uh, going into this last cycle before the season, I'm trying to get more gymnastic light on my feet. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try to do more skin to cats and, uh, just some more gymnastic based strength right. exercises. So I'm not so bulky. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, and that's something brings me back to the last interview we had where you said that one year of college, you got really strong and big. And then the next time you came out and you got more elastic and you really made that improvement. Is that something you think you're going to see right now? Or are you not as bulky as you were at that one time? Oh, I'm not as bulky as I was <laughs> at that. But I feel like every year I go through this uh, through this part of the year where I'm doing really, really well. And the way that I want to like maximize it instead of like doing more intense intense throwing sessions is like um, emphasize the weight room more. And every year I make the, the same mistake where I just like I put so much effort into the weight room aspect and it then it takes away from the other things that we're trying to accomplish and and the the grand scheme of things the weight room is really supposed to complement like recovery and like feeling normal and you know over time improve strength where i'm just like uh you know i i i'm throwing well and i'm like oh well if i just squat a bunch of a bunch or if i hang snatch a bunch then uh then the jab's going to go further and in most cases, uh, it doesn't. 
So uh, I'm trying to get away from that going, getting closer to the season so that I can just feel uh, lighter on my feet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, so yeah, every year I make the same mistake. <laughs> and it's just natural to think that way. I think everybody thinks that, but there's just too many little pieces. And like, I just saw from a javelin video um, from one of the Finland places or Finnish places, the caption at the end of it, it said like something was like, this isn't CrossFit. This isn't gymnastics. This isn't whatever. This is javelin and like all caps, which is like kind of true. I mean, that just adds into that, that it's like all those things can help you, but all those things are not what makes you a great thorough. It's just, yeah. you have to have that, that balance between all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still trying to find that. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> so as you mentioned, like you're heading towards the season, like how do you plan for this season with so much uncertainty or surrounding pretty much everything? And like, is there a tentative schedule you have looking at it so far? They did send, uh, we do have like a tentative schedule. I know that we're going to have like five track meets at the center. Um, we're obviously going to try to open up at Texas Relays on March 25th. So, I mean, right there is enough opportunities to get uh, a good mark out. I mean, the, the, the goal is to throw 85 at the first meet to get the A standards out of the way. Um, it has been two years since my last track meet, so I'm pretty excited just to get the opportunity to throw. Right. So, yeah. Is there anything to be said about meets at like having that many meets at home that would almost make them like boring to you? Are, are you that type of person where I felt like I, in my first couple of seasons, like at practice when I threw there every day, that same environment wouldn't get me as pumped up. Obviously when you get a crowd and stuff, that's different. But like when I would throw at the same place every day, I didn't feel as excited as even if I was just practicing at like a random park. Like, I don't know if it's because you practice there no, for I know two years. Yeah. It, it, I feel like it might be weird. Uh, the first time uh, I know in college, we only had one home meet at Penn state. And I was, I was always like, Oh, this is, this is like such a, a like a, a lower tier meet that like you're, it's hard to get as excited for. Right. But uh, you know, any chance that I get to throw in 2021 should be pretty exciting. That's what I was gonna yeah. say. Is I think that's might be negated by the two years of not competing. <laughs> that anytime, yeah. anytime there's someone standing there with a the tape measure, you're probably gonna be pretty pumped up. So I think that might cancel yeah. out this season. Yeah, but we'll see. So after Texas Relays, like what is it pretty much right now, Texas Relays, then those five, and that's all you're sure, air quotes, sure about? Uh, yeah, I mean, as of right now, uh, the other ones are like Diamond Leagues and, uh, mm. well, the Tucson Elite Meet in May is a, a sure thing. So, I mean, seven for sure meets, if I'm doing well enough and get into Diamond Leagues and, you know, become a professional javelin thrower then then that would be uh that's the other goal right absolutely okay so er earning your way into those extra meets but yeah, i think like sure. you said you have plenty of opportunities right there to be successful and hopefully it just starts with meet one and then from there yeah. you just book your tickets <laughs> yeah exactly so what has been one big thing for you that you've worked on this off season? We already talked about a little bit of the weight room and the gymnastics component, but like what have been some of the major focuses you've had in your training? Uh, the feeling of um, hitting the jab 
just right. Like uh, that first season I had where I threw when I had like the 80s, um, the, the feeling of hitting the jab was like a new sensation for me. And so this whole quarantine season, I was just working on that, trying to groove, like hitting the jab perfect every time. Um, and I thought, I, I think I, I've done a pretty good job of doing that. And then after that, I, I tried to amp up my footwork to be more dynamic and, and get to my block faster and in a better posture so that I can still hit the jab the same way, but bring a lot more speed and um, be able to be more dynamic in the run-up. Uh, and those two things, I think, are going to be a big game changer in the sense of like uh, make the jab go further and uh, hopefully be more competitive like worldwide. Um, but then, you know, there's always like the hopes of like once you get that down then you can amp up the weight room or amp up more plyos. But for right now, I'm just trying to do like the, those two basic things. Right. And I mean, obviously hitting the jab clean is important for anybody. But as you get to those bigger distances, like the more you're not hitting it, the more you're going to see an impact. Like if you were throwing 100 meters and you throw it way off, it's going to be way worse than someone throwing 50 like they might lose yeah. three to four meters you might lose 10 because you're just throwing it yeah. have that extra distance so like obviously the more you're going to be able to do that the better but that's like the simplest thing but also like the biggest unlock to just those prs is when people just hit those things perfect out of nowhere and it just jumps and they go so i think that's obviously obviously a great focus and anytime you can hit the jab more clean then you're in a good spot yeah uh another thing that i was working on is uh the one morning I was sitting there and I was watching uh, the world championships from uh, 2017 and uh, it was like the hundredth time I've watched it and I was going through it and I was um, the the guy from the Czech Republic just through and then it like was panning over him as he was walking off the runway and then all you see is Inus. Um, I forget how to say his last name but he was the one from Texas A&M and he was doing this the straddle stretch where he was grabbing his left foot with his right arm and then putting his left ear to his left knee. And I was like, oh my God, that is some mobility. And uh, from then I was like, well, shoot, I am probably not as mobile as I should. And uh, so another thing that I've been working on this year is just like mobility, stretching, um, making my body feel more mobile and elastic. Uh, before I even go to practice uh, so that I can kind of like groove the same feeling of my body every day. So yeah, that was like an eye-opener moment where I was like, dang, if you can touch your left ear to your left knee, that is, uh, that is something. Absolutely. And that's the type of thing that you, like you said, you just don't realize, but then it's like, why can't I hit this position? Like, why can't I hit this position? It's like, well, you can't, physically can't move that way so you're never going to get yeah. that unless you can actually move into that position from a more static position or more static spot so I think that makes a lot of sense and like I think that's one of the most I mean javelin compared to other sports is pretty good like baseball knowing that background like those play myself included when I was playing like I didn't really give a crap like you just try and throw it as fast as you can but like there's that's just not as prioritized and like obviously in javelin more people look at that type of thing but there's still still room for improvement yeah so that's been something you've been seeing success with, but is there anything that you've struggled with this off season, whether it be throwing, 
uplifting and like how do you handle those struggles as the season gets closer uh yeah i've had some like aches and pains in my my feet um and so i i started like when it first popped up you try to get like the inflammation and the pain down to where you can actually start doing things again but also um we we work with some of the sports med doctors here to like uh get it to the point where it won't happen again um so it's just like constantly trying to stay on top of your body uh so that you don't have those setbacks because giving up a week of running and throwing hard is always like you know you kind of feel like you wasted a whole a whole training cycle so um yeah when that kind of stuff happens you kind of have to look at um the signs of where it's where it's coming from and where it could lead and how to reverse it immediately and get back on schedule how do you balance that like nagging injury that it's like do I want to push it now and risk injuring it further? And that would hurt me down the line or like taking that time off. Like you said, a, a wasted or a week where you don't do much feels wasted, but when is the time to take that week and make sure that you're ready to go say March 26th or 25th, whatever day you mentioned compared to now and trying to push through it. Like how do you make that decision or how do you balance that? Well, I, I kind of look at what I did the last two weeks leading up to that. And like, for example, uh, my foot started acting up and like the week before that we had heavy squats and we also threw around 70 throws. So I was like, well, you know, maybe I, I did too much too quickly and, mm -hmm. and kind of uh, screwed myself out of um, having a successful training block of those four weeks where you like gradually build off of each other. And instead I was too excited too early and, and uh, made too big of a jump. And then, that way I have to go down for the second week so that I can kind of get back to where I was on for the third week. And then, so if, um, if you just kind of gradually build and not get too overzealous in your training, then um, I think that would save you a lot of taking a week off or ending up getting hurt later down the road. Right, absolutely. So tying into that, like, what advice do you have for throwers as the season's approaching? Like, how should they handle that first competition compared to later in the season? Like managing, I guess, the expectations. Obviously, you mentioned you want to throw 85, and so does pretty much everybody except Vetter. I think he wants to throw 95. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just like <laughs> that, uh, like, you know what I mean, though? Like, that's like, how do you manage those expectations? And like leading up, what is some advice you'd give to people like like yourself, I guess, and including me. So I'll take this advice personally as well. Like having competed in legitimately close to two years, like how do you look at it and what would you tell someone else? Um, well, I think the exciting thing is going to be like the way that you feel when you first get to compete this season. It's going to be something that we've all wanted to do for the last year and a half or two years. So uh, to kind of let that excitement take over and uh, trust what you've been doing for the last um, the last season of training to um, to kind of enjoy the moment and not to put too much pressure on yourself. Like I really want to throw 85, but if I don't throw 85 this first track meet, like I'm not gonna beat myself up. I'm I still want to enjoy this first track meet and. Um, 
kind of build off of what what I experienced that last season uh, in the way that like I learned how to enjoy track meets and be excited for every round and um, kind of build off of every round and kind of um, have fun with the competition that way. Um, but I really think that starting uh, starting your first throw within yourself and not trying to reach for like this new level of throwing that you think you should be throwing at, but you've never thrown at before. And um, so I feel like, yeah, just uh, compete within yourself. Yeah, I think that's genius advice because like my first thought is like oh baby i just want to go out there and rip this thing but like it the first throw might be better to just not baby it but like yeah. go more a little more relaxed than you probably think you need to be get like a a decent one and you can just go from there but like yeah i think that's really good advice and something that i'm gonna take into my first one so yeah it wasn't very articulate with the way that i described <laughs> it but i feel like you guys all get the the gist of it and, and like i mean there's plenty of people i think that have no clue what number to expect like yeah. going, personally i don't know how far i'm going to throw like it could be the same it could be way way better I, I literally have no idea i mean i think obviously i've improved in many different as like aspects of my training that i think would indicate that i would throw further but you I, you just never know and, and it's been that long that it's like you have kind of nothing to go off of besides what you're yeah, doing in training so interesting the way that like javelin throwers shot putters discus throwers and hammer throwers all train so separately like uh the hammer throwers here they have they have a translation between like if they throw the 18 pound weight hammer and they throw at 70 then they know with the 16 they would throw like this number so i think it's so weird that um javelin is like the one that you have to have faith in the most because to get a full <laughs> ramp like javelin throw in practice is just so difficult to do and it's just like you have to you have to have faith that everything's going to line up going into the next competition and it's uh it's also really maddening like <laughs> so frustrating to that's be a it feels good to hear you say that because that's like how i've always been that i'm just like i remember times before i threw my best that was just like so bad and so whatever but you just like have it's going to be there when the time's there and like it ended up yeah. being there, but it's just like, seriously, it's just, I don't know. I, I can never get that same feeling. Like I never feel like I can go as fast. And when I do go fast, it feels worse, but then like you just get that adrenaline and something just lets you magically do what you need to be doing. Exactly. Or like, at least in some, some, uh, some level you can do that. But yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I feel that same exactly. Yeah. I know, I know in college, uh, I remember the the first track meet. My coach was just hoping that I would break sixty, and I was like, "No, I I, I want to throw over two twenty. Like I want to throw sixty six. He was like, "There's no way. Like I would be happy if you break sixty. And the first meet I went out there and I threw sixty eight. And he was like, "There was nothing that you shown showed in practice <laughs> yeah. that would make me think that you were going to be able to do that." So I know that it's just like it's frustrating that um, it's hard to make practices feel like competitions but i feel like that's the that's one thing that i've gotten better at the last two and a half years like leading into that first season um my practice throws started off how they were in college where it was like real spotty and uh, my coach here just like wasn't gonna have it like that he was like either you're gonna 
you're going to start throwing closer to 80 in practice or we're not going to do a competition. So, um, yeah. So I'm excited because I know that I'm throwing further than I've ever thrown in practice. And um, so I, I do hope that I throw well in this first meet, but we'll see. And I mean, that's that unlock too, is that if you're throwing better in practice than you normally throw in practice, then it's like, well, I should be throwing further in the meet, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, hopefully yeah. we get to that point, but that's just like, yeah, that's how it feels. And you're just like, well, I mean, logistically, like, I mean, it makes sense track record, but I guess, <laughs> I guess you never know. Yeah. Do you have any like mental routines that you practice either on a daily basis or before competitions? And how do you combat pre-competition nerves that I'm sure everybody is going to be experiencing? Like we said, when it's been a year and a half to two years for a lot of people since they competed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like a believer in not really having like a overly structured pre-meet routine because uh, it can be broken oh it can it can get shot out <laughs> of the air so quick like when i was in uh, belarus and and riley dozar and uh, i were roommates we were so jet lagged we slept the entire day <laughs> until a half hour before we had to leave for that competition at like five five o'clock p.m so so like uh if i had like this routine that i had to go through uh, when we got to the track, I, I took a nap and then uh, went up in the stands and grabbed a hot dog just because, like, the way the day progressed. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up throwing 83. But uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm more of just, like, listen to your body. If you feel excited, that's good. Don't warm up too hard. Like, um, if you're at a, a colder area and you feel kind of sluggish, like do a little bit more of an intense warm up. I kind of just like try to listen to my body the best way I can. And um, when I get closer to, to competition time, like I try to get in that same range. When I like am going to compete, this is gonna sound either bad or weird or whatever, but, and this is a kind of a reason I started sucking at baseball by the end is like, I always <laughs> feel like I need to, like I get so nervous, I feel like I need to like throw up but I, when I, I know in javelin, when I have that feeling that I'm going to throw better because I can use that as like energy or, or, or excitement where in baseball, when you had to be so fine and do these things, it, it would just go out the window and be awful. But like, I still kind of get that same feeling I had towards the end of my baseball career that I'd be like, oh man, like I, I'm, I just feel it. But like now I like that feeling or I feel like I need that feeling. And when yeah. I know, when I don't feel that, I, I know that Oh man, like not no. I mean, it doesn't happen a lot, but I, but I do remember me that didn't happen where I do. It's just like, well, the competition here is pretty weak. There's nobody watching, whatever. And I didn't throw very well. I won it, but I didn't throw very well at all. And like, you didn't get any prize for winning that. So it was really like, I didn't have that feeling. But then as soon as I got that back, then I was able to go back to like closer to what I had been doing all season. So it's like, I don't want to, I don't throw up, but like sometimes I feel like I need to. And when I do, it's like, okay, that's, that's good. Like it sucks yeah. at the time. But then like once you're done, you're like, yeah, I, I do kind of need that. <laughs> What are some mistakes that you've made early on in your seasons? As you mentioned that one, your first year, you came out and had like a great start, but like, are there any things that you've made mistakes in either throwing too hard too early or doing different things like that? And just like, what did you learn from those experiences? Oh man, I'm trying to pick one of the times I made a mistake because there's a <laughs> lot. Uh, yeah, um, let's start. 
so like that that first season that I had uh, where I last season I opened up at 80 and then the next two meets I gradually went worse and worse and I think I was trying to uh, start throwing in a different a different level like I was trying to be more dynamic and and I was trying to be more posturally sound and go faster and it just wasn't clicking and um, after that third meet of like throwing I think I threw 72 uh, and I was like what am I doing so then I had to like work back and get the same feeling of hitting the, the jab again and um, making drastic changes when the season already starts never works. <laughs> uh, I think that is a perfect example of a time that I screwed up and had to kind of like fix it as quickly as I could before, uh, before ruining the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. yeah. So almost like you have to make changes, but don't reinvent the wheel at the same time. Like yeah. you have to like work on things, but don't, start i don't even know running backwards or something that would just completely yeah. alter what you're doing like that's yeah, probably yeah. not the best idea yeah i think i think the thing i was trying to accomplish um it would have worked if i would have had more time to figure out exactly how to make it translate into throwing the jab further like um that that first that first throw was like half speed and i just really hit the crap out of the jab but then the next meet, I wanted to be like more upright and not have as much of um, ripping the jab off to the left mm -hmm. as I do in a lot of my my far throws. Um, but I didn't I didn't really know how to apply that posture and still get the same uh, release speed on the jab. So the idea was sound. It's just how to implicate it into throwing the jab didn't really work for me. Yeah. At I find that interesting too, that this is completely off that topic, but just like that you throw a lot of your further, or further throws are down the left side or like pulled to the left side where like, I know myself and a lot of other people like as right-handed throwers, I have better throws down the right side of the sector and I almost never am throwing down the left. Like, do you have any idea yeah. why that's you or like why that's good for no, you? I, I don't know if it's just because of my arm slot. Like I'm not really over the top i like i accelerate the jab a lot by my ear and then in front of me and I'm, mm. i don't really pull very hard from the back um but it's like i've talked to tom putzkis and he's like yeah you just that's your that's your throw you don't have to change that you don't have to um be critical of it um but i mean i'm trying to maximize the yeah. distance get or the time i can be on the jab um, to apply the most, uh, speed on it. Um, so I'm just kind of like, you know, if it happens, it happens, but when I'm training and like grooving the perfect throw, I'm trying to get it straight and, uh, not really far off to one side or far off to the other side. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the best way to do it is just like you said, in training, try and do your best job. But then once the competition time comes around, if it's saying, 85 yeah, plus if it's saying 85 plus and it's all the way on the left line hey <laughs> yeah i mean julius diego sector fouled in 91 and uh the way that he throws like it it almost always goes off to the right sector so who cares it's gone 
<laughs> right exactly exactly and they're gonna it's got that curve and stuff they're measuring the same it's way like, whatever uh, it's like major league that movie oh it's too high it's gone has there been a hobby that you've picked up outside of training obviously like no training related stuff that you've done this off season or like what's your kind of favorite thing to do when you're not doing your training stock market no um <laughs> gamestop gamestop <laughs> No, a lot of the guys here were really into that whole game stock, uh, uh, stock when it was going on. Um, but I mean, I, I still fish a lot, uh, um, skateboarding. Uh, I started playing the ukulele. So a man of I've, many talents. Well, you know, I'd love to serenade you sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. So those are the those are the two things that I I picked up over quarantine were like skateboarding and ukulele and then uh, yeah just continuing my regular outdoor activities. I'm sure your coach really likes one of those and probably doesn't love the other one as much. But uh... yeah, he hates my <laughs> singing voice, but he loves seeing me fly down the hill on a skateboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ariana has been uh, keeping up with them. Um, taking a video every time i pull up the to practice on my skateboard so that that should be coming out pretty soon yeah that's that's pretty funny that's i'm excited for that with, uh, me skateboarding she uh she had a funny message to me the other day too when i shared the post of like vetter was competing last sunday and then she messaged me and said like is he playing in the super bowl because oh, yeah. like, <laughs> she was that like was really it's funny. like big competition tomorrow and i was like i said i need uh or i need veteran a chief's uniform stat and then she said like i wish i had those talents or something but that would have made me laugh really hard but i still laughed when she said that it was perfect yeah and study through 87 in the <laughs> negative seven degree weather in germany it's exactly so yeah it, it's all right that's We're that fine. was sunday's big game <laughs> so do you have any outlook for the olympics like do you have any inside information that this would be exclusive through the point listeners can get or are you just pretty much in the same boat we all are uh, yeah, I think we're all in the same boat, aren't we? I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Is, is public about like, there's no, there's no certainty about them canceling it or anything, but uh, I think they're going to have it now, whether or not they're going to have uh, fans or anything like that. I, I did hear yesterday that someone was reading the, the guidelines and it was something like, you can't like verbally cheer for uh, one of your teammates because they're trying to like uh, restrict some of the uh, I know what you're saying yeah. yeah so I mean if they're making those guidelines then I kind of feel like they're going to have people there right yeah and, and I think the Olympic Village concept is like a good for it and bad for it at the same time I, I don't really yeah. know like what to do with it it almost turns into its own bubble like if they can just do restrictions similar to what the NBA did when they had their bubble. I don't know, but okay. Good to know that we're all in the same boat and you're not withholding anything from me. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could tell you more of the details, but it's classified. Yeah. If you told me you'd have to kill me. Yeah. Well, if I, if I knew I was going to make it, then. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. So we've talked about, or you've talked about 85 meters, but like, is that just your ultimate goal for the season? 85 meters at the start, but like, what would you say is your ultimate goal overall? Oh, 91.30 would be the ultimate goal. Oh, that's true. And I don't know if you know, but that's a center, 
a centimeter over Bro Greer's national record. I actually um, didn't know his number, but I assumed from that 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 would be it. So now yeah, I know. Ninety-one twenty-nine. But uh, yeah, I mean that's. I feel like everyone pretty much has like the same aspirations of being the best that they can. Uh, uh, Ninety-eight forty-nine would also be pretty cool to hit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Baby step. Yeah, exactly. Bro first, and then Jan next. Well, I have the the top ten marks on my the mirror, and there's there's seven, there's six that are all within eighty-three meters. Then Tim Glover at eighty-four, then uh, Tom Putskus, Tom Petronoff, and then Bro are the the three outliers. So uh, I'm I'm excited just to like chip away at that list as the season progresses. Absolutely. Uh, so going into the season two, this is kind of a unique question. I've never asked somebody this, but I think it might be fun for listeners. And this is actually the last question I have for you, unless you want to serenade me at the end to like play out the interview. But uh, what like is, <laughs> what is, what's your favorite brand or like type of javelin? I guess you could say brand and model. And just like, what will you mainly be throwing this season in your competitions? Ooh, yeah. I'm not sponsored by any brands, but I really wish uh, brands of javelin companies, but I really wish I was uh, sponsored by Nordic. I really love like the air glider, the champion and the orbit. Um, I was lucky enough to get a champion like at the beginning of last season. And I like, I threw an, an 80 earlier this season, like an 80 meter throw and it hit a rock and like the weight just shattered <laughs> out of it. So I had a Nordic champion, uh, for a couple months until I broke it. Um, but we also have an air glider and an orbit that I'm excited to throw with uh, this season. Um, but yeah, those would, those would probably be my, uh, my top three jabs. You're throwing probably all carbon ones, right? Uh, right yeah. now, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I figured. I mean, that's big boy stuff. You gotta be throwing the carbons, but are you, yeah. are you a Valhalla guy? Cause I'm pretty sure I've seen you throwing it. Like, is that one that you like compared to the others or the other ones still up there for you? Uh, yeah, I got, I actually did get, uh, two Valhalla's at the beginning of that, um, the 2019 season. Um, but those were like my first two, like really nice jabs. Mm -hmm. And I think I've thrown them so many times that they kind of, they broke down to the point where they're not, they're not as stiff as they once were. Right. Um, so I've kind of, I'm kind of limiting and learning how to treat really nice jabs. That's and, true. Uh, breaking them or breaking them down as fast the so, tip yeah. tip number one is don't throw it at a rock that that's a good advice to not break them how was i supposed to know <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a fun question though because i've never asked anybody that and i've had so many good throw obviously maybe don't ask the sponsor people because they're just going to give me their advertising spiel but people... <laughs> that's a great showcase right there to what you could possibly do for them hopefully i can send it to like a nordic executive and then they'll get you right on the list you would do that for me, Scott? I would love to do that for you. Cause then, <laughs> then it's like a trickle down effect. And then I end up with yeah. nice javelins and here we are. So it's just, Perfect. It, I'm kind of in it for me, but uh, yeah, hopefully you can get <laughs> some too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've thrown the Bahala. I, th yeah, very briefly. And also when I sucked. So yeah, uh, I thought you your elbow that day. That was, well, he gave me, I think he had the stiffer one too. And it was like, I really had no, but the problem with that, it was either, it was either that one or it was like one of the blue wobbly Nordic, whatever. And I'm going to take yeah. my chance with that one. So, yeah. I mean, it's also like the most expensive one I've ever touched. So I'll do that. But I, I think 
this year, I believe at school, because like last year we had really nothing good and my coach was just ordering stuff as the season got canceled. But I believe we have uh, the like, not the carbon, but the champion steel and then like a Nemeth 80. And then I think the softer Valhalla he got as well. So we got a decent spread there of like brands and feels. I think that should hopefully be nice. Yeah. But I think those are like probably more perfect speed than the stiffest uh, new javelin that's on the market. But I appreciate Nick letting me use his. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure the the NCA record of like 89 meters by uh, Patrick Bowden from yeah. Sweden. He threw that with a Nemeth 70 meter. I, I'm pretty sure I knew that. I don't know yeah. if it was, I knew, I don't know if it was that throw. You might be right, but someone had at least told me that someone thrown 80 something with the Nemeth 70. So, yeah. And I think that's like the best jab you could get for your, like your dollar. Like if you're a uh, intermediate uh, to beginner to advanced thrower, like, I think that's like the Cause jab. That's, Cause like right for that step from 70 to 80, the dollar value goes like, through the roof like the 80s like you yeah, might as well yeah. buy like the more like even more like it's not that much difference but like yeah i think i remember when i was looking i was like that 70 was like yeah pretty good value like that that's if you can throw it obviously he just spanked that thing like perfectly probably but like still it can fly that yeah, far so <laughs> yeah you should youtube that throw it doesn't look like it should go 89 <laughs> it was like from a trot and then just like a couple crossovers and he just slammed the finish it was, was crazy there was a guy that I came across his Instagram. I can't remember his name or what country he was from, but it was just like a very, he didn't have a lot of followers. Just a very casual, like seven step in the caption. It was like 8150 NR. And I was like, this guy just, he was a bigger dude. And he just like nukes a throw from crossovers. And it was just like a no, had no followers. And he had 80 something. I'll find it again. I, I showed it to somebody and it's like, he's legit. I can't remember what his name is though, but he's oh, like, yeah, a, send him. I know him. Yeah, you might know. Yeah, you probably do. But he's like a kind of a not fat, but like a bigger dude. And he just like has kind of slow crossovers and throws it. And everyone's like, what Is he the hell? Glasses? He might be. He's like a low key kind of guy on Instagram. I, I think I follow him, but he's not like. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it's just like that's that's 80 something meters. Like you said, it's just like a little casual crossovers and just yeah. absolutely whales on the jab. But like you see a rear view of him and then you like in just a training throwing. Like, oh, yeah, this guy throws throws pretty freaking far so uh I, I believe it now but it's uh that just reminded me of that but really fun catching up with you i think this is one of the shorter interviews but i kind of want to see if that's like what people like or not i don't know if people sometimes don't listen because it's too yeah. long or too short but uh, i really appreciate you doing it i think there's a bunch of good things and obviously we're hoping for that uh 85 meters first meet but we're not gonna cut ourselves down if we don't get it so uh super excited for yeah, you. yeah like you know just internally i'll cut myself down but not <laughs> yeah. like you know I won't let people see them. You'll just put some <laughs> some some black screens on your Instagram with just a sad song playing, and then that'll be it. But uh, <laughs> it will be on my MySpace. It won't be on. My <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Michael. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. If I make it out the sound, no, I'm gonna keep you around. Swear to God, I'm not gonna switch on you.